Welcome to Steps Forward with Ricky, a weekly walking podcast designed to help you take steps forward in your life and your day. Hello. Welcome to Steps Forward with Ricky. Very happy to have you here. Hopefully you're walking. If you're new here, this is a thing. We walk as we listen. We put one foot in front of the other and that's just what we do. So if you're sitting, it's a good time to stand up, put your shoes on and get outside or go on the treadmill, walk around in the mall, go to Target. I don't really care what you do as long as you are moving your feet. Also, episode 10. So I want to say something about this. Episode 10 might not feel like a lot of episodes for a podcast or maybe if you think about something in your life that you've done 10 times in a row or maybe you've created 10 pieces of content or you've gone to your therapist 10 times and this might seem like a small number, I'm going to let you know that it's not. We should celebrate this number I'll celebrate it for myself. You can celebrate it for yourself. Maybe it's five times for you, three times for you, three days in a row, five days in a row that you've done something positive and consistent. However many days it is for you, for me, it happens to be the 10th episode. So it's day 10 for me. And I'm super proud of that because that's consistency. And it's not fucking easy to be consistent, to show up every week, to record sometimes twice a week to, you know, put together these videos and this marketing and all the stuff that you have to do that goes into creating a brand and a podcast and putting yourself out there. I'm grateful to do it and I have help, but it's not always easy. The, the thing about consistency and just being consistent, you know, there are weeks where I really honestly don't want to be here. Sure, there are weeks where you don't want to go to your therapist. You don't want to write that piece of content or you don't want to put that video out there. You do want to have a drink or you do want to get high. And it doesn't have to be a perfect journey for you to be consistent. So I'm very proud of myself and I hope that you're proud of yourself. Even if you're only two days of consistency in your life with something, be fucking proud of yourself because two is better than one and one is better than zero. And I'm going with that. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm even more grateful for you. I have gotten so many messages in the last week and it's just, it's so humbling. It's not that kind of thing where I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I'm just like, wow, I'm so fucking grateful. I count my blessings every single day because this was just an idea that I had to do a podcast. And the reason I had this idea and it wasn't out of desperation and it wasn't to make money, it was because it felt aligned And I wanted to use a gift that I had, which is communication, being able to communicate with people. What are your gifts? What aren't you doing that you're good at? Even if it doesn't make you money right now, does it bring you joy? Does it make you feel good? Does it make others feel good? Because if it does, you should do it. And then you'll have one day and two days and three days and four days. And then you'll have 10 days in or 10 episodes in or 10 pieces of content in. You'll be like, wow, I'm so fucking proud of myself. I have such a potty mouth. I honestly realized it when I started this podcast, but maybe you're into it. Tony Robbins swears all the time and he says that it provokes emotion. So there you go. Fuck it. (laughs) Anyways. All right. Oh, also really quickly, I mean, you already might already be on your walk, but you need to always bring water on your walk. These are like, that's an important thing. And I get really anxious when people don't drink enough water. So please walk with your water. Okay. Anyways, this is ridiculous intro. Episode 10. I thought this would be a really good time to talk about the most 
um, painful event of my life, the one that has required me to take steps forward, the one that ultimately is connected to everything that I do in my life and everything that I will do, and it's the loss of my mom. I haven't talked about it too much because I really wanted to broaden my topics, and I, I talked about loss a lot in my life, especially when I was a life coach and I was doing Break the Weight, and I kind of got burnt out from it. But I'm ready to go over and to talk about this stuff because I think a lot of my listeners have lost someone in their life. I think that's that's the kind of people that are are into this sort of stuff. They've lost something. They've lost a piece of their self. And loss to me is not just death. But in this instant, it did. my mom did die. I was eight years old when she was diagnosed with cancer. I got home from tennis. Isn't it funny how you remember certain things? I was eight years old. I got home from tennis, a tennis lesson. And I walked in the door and my mom had a look on her face. My mom was five feet tall. She was just, she was a character. She literally wore the same shirt every single day. I am totally my mother's daughter. And she was funny. She had such a crazy sense of humor. And she was totally out of, just a crazy person, like in the best way. Everybody loved her. Person at the grocery store, taxi driver, teacher. I mean, everybody loved my mom. And she was special. I know everyone says it about their parents, but she really was special. And my mom was like my pride and joy. And I'm only eight years old. And, you know, I was only 13 when she died, but she was everything to me. I also came, I come from a family of boys and I'm the baby. Only girl, baby. So, you know, she, she protected me and she was my, my heart. And um, I remember she said, I got to talk to you. I'm like, okay, what's going on? She's like, mommy's sick. I'm like, what's wrong? Do you need to rest? I remember being like, do you need to rest? She's like, no, you know, mommy has something wrong with her and, you know, I'm going to get a little sick. I have to go away for a little bit and it's going to be okay. But, you know, I, I might lose my hair. And I was like, I don't understand. And she's like, don't, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Mommy's going to be okay. I'm like, well, why are we talking in third person here? What, are you going to be okay? She's like, I'll be okay. Next thing I know, she's living in Boston. They had a really good treatment center for cancer. She had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. There's Hodgkin's and there's non-Hodgkin's. Both are pretty fucking bad, but non-Hodgkin's is really, really, really bad. There's not a lot of survivors. And she had to go to Boston to get treatment. It was like the best chance she had. And so I, we would go back and forth to visit her in Boston. You know, I would be taken care of by my family members and my dad would go back and forth. And it was really chaotic. And, and what I learned when I was eight years old was that life was really chaotic. Hold on to what I just said because I was only eight years old and I, I already in my soul believed that life was chaotic. You don't need to know that at eight years old. You just need to know that life is great. Sometimes you fall down, but you're all right. She lost her hair and um, she went into remission. It was my brother's bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. Oh, I'm the worst Jewish person. I don't know these differences between them. And he was 13, obviously, and she was in remission. And I thought, like, mommy's back. Great. This is awesome. And then, like, five months later, she got sick again. And she was in Michigan, and there was a hospital here. And she, at this point, she had got all of her hair back. And now she had to lose it again. And... um 
I was really used to that. And I was also really used to having guidelines with my mom and rules. Like we couldn't hug her because she was either she was had cancer or she was in remission and we were little kids, right? I was, I, I think I was 10 at the time when she got sick for the second time. My brother, Justin was like 15 and Brad was 11 or 12. So we had to be careful around her and she had to miss a lot of different things. But, you know, we had gone through this and she was sick. She lost her hair and then it came back. And this was sort of the dance that we knew. And she went into remission again. Like I think six, eight months later after having, after losing her hair for the second time, she went into remission again. And it was my other brother's bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. She was in remission for all of our parties, which is kind of crazy. And she had to wear gloves to the party and she couldn't be touched. And she always gave this amazing speech and she was so grateful and thankful for her life. And then she got sick again. I don't know how many months after she got sick again, she, she had to lose her hair again. And I, I, I remember thinking like, this is not normal. And I remember people would ask me at school, like, where's your mom? Like, is your mom coming to pick you up? I haven't seen your mom in so long. And every teacher knew about us. They were really sweet to me. And all of her girlfriends and friends would take care of me. But I remember like I would forget to like get haircuts. And like I didn't go to the dentist for like a two years or something. Just because like, you know, that was what moms did. They took care of the shit that dads or other people just didn't care about. And I was 12 years old when she got sick again. But this time it was different because she was gonna get her bone marrow transplant and this was gonna end it all. This was gonna make everything okay. She found a perfect match from a guy in Australia and she was gonna get the surgery. And then after that, she would be fine. This is what I thought. So we had my bar mitzvah and then she got the surgery. So she was sick again and she got the surgery in February, perfect match. And I thought truly in my heart, I thought this was like surgery, for like something else. I didn't realize that she had cancer again because when they said that she was getting a bone marrow transplant, I just like didn't know what that meant. Like I just thought like this is the final step of it going away forever. I don't know. I was a little girl. I was only 12. I was 13 actually when she got the surgery. After my bat mitzvah, that was January. Then she got it in February and I thought she was great. I was like, oh, she's cured. This is awesome. She came home. My mom hadn't been home in five years for more than like a month. Truly. I saw her all the time, but she didn't, she wasn't home because she was always back and forth in remission or sick and to the hospital and you know, just all of that. I'll never forget it. She came home. It was March and everything went great. The surgery, everything went great. It was the, it was the middle of March. She came home. She, I remember her being on the couch. I remember I would sit with her and I would tell her about the boys that I had a crush on and the movies I was going to see. And I had to sit a distance from her or I had to wear like gloves and a mask. I've been, yeah, I did the mask thing like way earlier than ever did the mask thing. And I remember till this day, even as I talk about it now, what it felt like for her to be home for me. I felt like I could breathe, like my mommy was home and like this was okay now. After three or four years of this bullshit, like she was home and she, all she wanted to do was be home. I don't know if you've experienced the loss of a parent or you've watched someone be sick and then be okay and then be sick or be okay, but it's fucking horrible. And as a kid, you can't wrap your head around it. You just, 
want your mommy or your daddy or whoever is taking care of you that's not there. You just want that person. That's, that's as, that is the extent and as far as what you know goes. And I remember she wasn't feeling well. And um, my aunt, my aunt Sherry, who's her sister, my cousin Jamie is my best friend. That's her mom. And she was her nurse and her caretaker. And she said, like, we got to go back to the hospital, Cindy. Like, you're not, you don't look well. And my mom was like, basically, like, go fuck yourself. I'm not leaving. Like, this, I feel okay. This is, I'm fine. And a week went by and she just kept getting worse. Like, she got really dehydrated and um, she got like a cold. And obviously, that's not good if you're sick or if you're in remission. And she was forced to go back to the hospital. And what I mean by that is, like, my dad literally picked her up and put her in the car and was like, no, you need to go back to the hospital. And as I talk about it now, it makes me so sad because it was all she wanted to do was be home. And um, she went back to the hospital. This is like by April 1st, she was back in the hospital. And by April 3rd, she was in intensive care. She was dead. As far as I knew, she was dead in the sense of like, my mom was never coming home again. She wasn't dead yet physically, she was dying. And um, I didn't know that like totally yet. I just knew like my mom wasn't in my house anymore. My house that felt like a home wasn't anymore. And then it was April 12th. And after a week in the hospital, I hadn't seen her yet. She was not doing well. My dad came home. <laughs> Wait for this one. My dad's delivery on everything is just like, we might have to work on it. It's one of his worst qualities. He has a lot of great qualities. Delivery on things is not <laughs> his best. And he comes home and there's like a lot of family at my house. I'm like, why the fuck are there so many people here? Like I knew my mom was not doing well, but I didn't know the extent of really how, I just knew, I just like had a feeling she wasn't coming home again. I'm only 13, almost 14. And, um, my dad comes home and he's like, I need to talk to you guys, me, Justin and Brad, my brothers. He pulled us into a room. He goes, she's not dead yet. I'm like, excuse me? And I didn't even listen to what he said. I ran upstairs to my room. I took everything that I ever could take that was breakable and I threw it everywhere. I broke every single thing in my room. I wanted the room to feel the way I felt shattered, broken, destroyed. And everyone from my dad's family was there because everyone from my mom's side was obviously at the hospital. And I it was surrounded by my grandma and my aunts, all these people. And I'm like, oh, you guys are not the people that I want to be surrounded by. Like, I want my mom. And the first thing that came out of my mouth, I swear on my whole life, when I heard that she was dying, when I was laying in my bed, was who the fuck is going to be at my wedding? I'm 33 years old now. I remember it so well and I don't know why I thought it or why I said it or what it or how I even went to that that feeling or that thought but I did for some reason I think it's because when we're young we like think about our wedding as little girls maybe and like our mommies love it and they want to do all that stuff with us like I don't know if that was the train of thought or just because like I had an internal feeling of like that will be the worst thing for me is and she can't be at my wedding she can't celebrate me because she's dead. I don't know if you can relate to that. Hopefully you're not crying too much on your walk. People might think you're crazy. So get it together, all right? 
Anyways, he was like, you have to go say bye to her. She's not doing well and she's only going to get worse and she doesn't want you guys to see her, you know, dying. And so you need to go to the hospital today and say bye to her. So I did. We did. Individually, I remember walking down the white hall and just the nurses were staring at me because they all knew my mom and they all loved her. But they were looking at me like, damn, poor girl. Fuck. Cindy's not going to make it. And she has to go say bye to her mom. Like, they felt bad for me. I didn't want people to feel bad. I already fucking felt bad. Don't feel bad for me. I'm a little girl. I didn't know what else, what it meant. I just opened the door to my mom's room and I walked in there and she was hooked up to all these machines and she couldn't open her left eye and she was so weak. And I sat down next to her and she squeezed my hand three times, which meant I love you. That was our thing. And she was crying out of her, um, her right eye or yeah, her right eye. And I started telling her about my day because I wanted to normalize the situation. I didn't know I, I for, for whatever reason, I just was like, I, this is not it. I'm going to make it as normal as possible. And then I was like, no, this is it. And I told her I loved her and I would fight the way she fought and I would live the way she lived and she could go. I felt in that moment like I was her mom being like, you can go now. And sorry, it's just, you know, I I walked out of the room. I, I always say like, I didn't just lose my mom. I lost me. When I walked out of that room, I just like, I lost a piece of me. And we're going to take like a five second break here. (laughs) Hold on, let me get my shit together. I didn't think that I'd be crying, so there's that. I really spent, and I've, I still do, truly, trying to get that back. Trying to find the piece that I left in that room that day. And I'm not telling you this story because I don't want you to think that it doesn't get better because it does. It really does. But it lives within you. You know, the pain and the loss and the grief that you feel when you lose someone you love at any age, but especially as a child. It fucked me up it, it just honestly it did it really fucked my life up without even knowing it like the eating disorders and the trauma and the lack of confidence and the addiction and all the shit that I've talked about on the podcast like where do you think it comes from it comes from that everything has a source and I spent a really long time not understanding my pain really until this year truly in a different way because I think like, oh, I got to take a sip of water, guys. You can take a sip. This is like a water break, okay? We're going to take a water break. I just, you lose a piece of you, but you get it back. Maybe not the piece that you, what was before, but you get something else. I'm different because my mom died. I'm stronger because of it. 
I am able to talk to you and tell you things because of something that I've experienced. And that's why when I talk about on the podcast, how I don't like to be one thing or how I have felt so lost in my life or how I feel like I'm supposed to be doing different things or like I feel like I'm, I'm meant to do bigger things with my life. It's because I know in my heart and my soul that I did not go through something so horrible to do nothing with it. It doesn't mean I want to be a grief counselor. That might not mean that you want to do whatever it is that you were dealing with. Maybe you're an addict. You don't have to be an addiction counselor, but I have to do something meaningful with my life. Because when you endure so much pain, you have to do something with it. And I just want you to know that it gets better. It fucking gets better. But not if you don't deal with it. If you smoke it away or you eat it away or you do all the shit that I've done that sometimes I still do, like it just sits there. And the loss doesn't get better if you don't get better but it can get better. And that's why I walk. And that's why I do the little stuff like drink my water. And that's why I try to give back to people. And that's why I'm so determined to live a life of alignment and purpose because my mom doesn't get to. I have to for her. You have to for them. You have to get the fuck up. You have to take a deep breath in even if you cry in the morning, you got to figure it out to make it through the afternoon because you will not always be in this place. And I'm sad and I'm crying about it as I talk about it because I feel so sad for that little girl. I really do till this day. I'm trying my best to have a better relationship with her, the inner child of me, and tell her and love her the way my mom would. This is what my journey is about, like figuring out how to love myself the way my mom loved me. And it's a journey. And you're not alone in it. If it's a parent for you, or maybe it's right now, it's a grandparent or a friend, or maybe it's just a loss of a relationship or a job. God, loss is fucking painful. But sometimes when you lose yourself, you find yourself. And I hope that you know that it's not always going to be so horrible, I swear, on my whole life. But you have to take small actions and you have to believe that your pain is your purpose. And in some ways, it's your gift. And you have to unwrap the lessons. So I lost my mom. She died. She died and I'm, part of me died too. But the part of me that didn't die is right here. And I'm, I'm here and I'm talking and I walk and I take my steps forward and I don't have it all figured out. You don't have it all figured out, but I'm here and I'm determined to figure it out even when it hurts, because I really in my heart believe that we can take steps forward. And you might not feel like you can take one right now, but I promise that you can. So thanks for listening to me cry. <laughs> I'm going to book 25 therapist appointments after this. And thank you for walking with me. And just thanks for being here. You don't know how much this means to me is maybe as much as it means to you. And I love you and I'm with you. And I hope you had a beautiful walk and reach out if this resonates, share it with somebody. And I just, we are not alone. We can always take steps forward.